Yeah. How are you? Let me try and get a little better angle here. Is that too bright behind me? Is that better? You're good. Oh my God. I, lo is that, I love your bookcase. It's so oh, thank you. It's built into the wall. <laughs> That's very fancy. I love it. So good to see you. It's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, you look the same to your credit. Well, thank you. I think that's a good thing. And I think yeah. you look the same, which is a great thing. And thank um, you for the soups. That was really exceptional. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you had them and I'm, you know, all the all the good things. I mean, I'm so happy to talk to you and you're doing this. I know how busy you are. No, I'm really happy to talk to you too. And I've been there's been just like so many things health-wise that have been just like circulating and really trying to like get my own handle on like eating and food and portions. So this is actually really coming at a very interesting time because I'm oh, really? so excited to talk to you about this. Okay, good. Well, let me, I'll just like do a brief, I mean, Great. I want to introduce you, but it's weird. You don't need an introduction. I'm like, I'm like at an award show because it's so true. I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to list some of her achievements. And then I was like going through them. I'm like, what don't you do? You can give a personal introduction. I'll just sit here and be quiet until you tell me to speak. Okay, great. Um, well, this is Mayim and these are her achievements. You were on Big Bang Theory, which we work together on. So people know that's how we met. Um, one of my favorites of all time is Blossom. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I actually had a hat collection because of you. Um, most recently on Call Me Cat, and you got a second season. Congratulations. That's amazing, which is Thank super. You. I actually just spoke to Michelle Zenzar and Nikki Laurie and, you know, Rhiannon. We were talking about you because Michelle was saying that you have such a great um, crew on that show. Everyone's so nice. I'm like, it doesn't surprise me that Maya surrounds herself by really nice people. Thank you very much. That's really nice. Pretty nice. Um, you're an author and you're a cookbook author, which is amazing. You're a neuroscientist, which we all know, which, you know, that's easy to get, right? Like, a <laughs> um, you podcast too, which is really successful as well. You're a mom, you're a feminist, you're all these wonderful things. But I think what's really impressive the most out of all these achievements is that um, you also have your own soup recipes. <laughs> yes, I'm, um, I, I am not as accomplished as you in the soup department, but um, yes, I, I hail from a long line of very dedicated cookers and bakers. And um, yes, my ethnic heritage uh, absolutely determines that we have to have soup. So almost every meal has soup. That's a formal meal. Oh my God, I love it. Um, so tell me what's going on. I mean, like you, you're saying you have health issues. Do you think it's just like a precaution to COVID or you're actually going through stuff that you're changing your diet? Well, I think that, I mean, it's kind of, you know, what this is going to be a very broad answer that will then get very specific. Okay. You know, when I was a teenager, when I was like, you know, in junior high and high school, I had this image and I don't know who sold it to me that like at a certain point you become an adult and you have like everything figured out and you get married, you have kids, you live your life. And I wish someone would have given me a heads up that like, your life is just decade after decade of different kinds of maturing and evolution. Oh, yeah. And 
you, but I didn't know. I didn't know that I'd be like thinking this hard about like my joints and my body and my health. Like, it just feels like it's, it's kind of, there's always something new to uncover. So what I've discovered is that, and I've talked about this, my podcast is called Mind Be Alex Breakdown and it's a mental health podcast. But one of the things we've talked about that comes up a lot is disordered eating, they call it, you know? And I, I've been public about, you know, essentially having an eating disorder evolve at 40, which is very late in my opinion, from what I've heard, like from other people. But what it came down to was for whatever reason, a lot of things going on in my life, I started using food, you know, really to soothe and instead of feeling or processing emotions. So what has happened is, well, it's like, and it happens to so many people, but like combined with all the other things, like for me, it's been a real re-examination of how much am I supposed to eat? What actually nourishes me? And being conscious of what my body feels like when I eat a ton of processed food versus when I eat foods that are not highly processed and are closer to the way that the earth makes them. So it's been, it's been like that kind of thing. I do have a lot of, I have a thyroid condition, which is an autoimmune condition. Um, I'm one of those people with like a lot of mysterious kind of chronic pain stuff that moves around and is related to trauma and stress and like blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm just one of those bodies that doesn't do the things other bodies do. Like I've had four hernias and I, I know. And like, I don't heal right. You know, like scar tissue doesn't form the way it's, I'm, I'm like a weird medical anomaly person. And I know that food is important and yet it's still hard to be disciplined about it. It is, it's still really hard. I'll show It's up. almost like you're an overachiever in life and an overachiever in food disorder. Well, and this is the thing, I'm more like a workaholic and I mean like let's, and yeah. I think part of it is also, and I'm not blaming anyone but myself, but that's the other thing is like, especially for women, it's so praised when you like, you've got it all together and you're balancing 62 things. And that scene is you being a true feminist. But like, meanwhile, my adrenal glands were like, this is not working. We hurt, like the body cannot sustain constantly working all the time. But yes, I also have to do my eating disorder. Like I'm gonna binge the most. You know, so I, um, I mean, that, that all rings true to me, but like, I was, one of my questions was going to, I was going to ask you like on set, like, how do you manage with your, like with all that you do? And I know being on set, you know, we work 12, 14 hours, like, you know, I well, remember you had to work 12 to 14 hours. We worked like eight to 10. <laughs> yeah. We have really long days, but like, I mean, on the Thursday on big Ben, we would have BLT days and I'm like, okay, I couldn't wait for Jeanette to put that out. And like, you're just constantly eating whatever. It wasn't until I got sick where I actually had to be conscious of my diet because I, you know, essentially would just overeat on set and like- Oh, it's, no, it's, it's such a total mess. And I mean, for me as a person who exists in front of the camera, it's like a, it's like a quadruple whammy yeah. because also on Big Bang Theory, I mean, the two women that I was gratefully working next to are Kaylee Cuoco and Melissa Rausch, two women with unbelievable bodies, which for, for many people are not like possible achievements. Meaning like, 
I mean, I'm 5'4", and Melissa's like this adorable, petite, like 4'10", and like everything she wears, and like she's got a tiny waist, and like she's adorable. And Kaylee Cuoco's like frequently on the cover of like magazines about bodies, you know? And so here I was just like, I'm gonna eat more pot stickers right now. So like, I definitely, it was also, those were very stressful years that I happened to be on. You know, I had two kids in that time. I got divorced in that time. My dad died. My brother-in-law passed away within three months of my dad dying. Like food was my best friend and it's always available. And I'm vegan. And this is proof that just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're healthy. Like it just meant that I can still eat too much of something and not eat mindfully. And that's really what happens. And in that sense, this is going to be a really weird thing to say, but like COVID has been a really interesting kind of protection from a lot of the, I'm a grazer. Like I'll just kind of like eat a little bit all day. Like, and then I'll be like, but I'm fine. I haven't eaten a meal. So I'm going to get skinny. Like no, but COVID has made it so that like, you have to be a lot more mindful. There's no open grazing table. My meal comes already portioned for me. And like, honestly, it's, it's been helpful. Like it has. And like, when you sent me soups, like that's helpful to me because you you then know this is my meal and this is what I'm eating. And it gives a sense of, I think, better closure around food so that it's not just a free for all, which is basically how you live on a set. Well, I mean, I was gonna ask you too. I mean, you've been vegan for a really long time, right? Like, yeah, uh, yeah about 14 years and then vegetarian, I mean, since I was 19 and I'm 45. So like, I'm tired of doing math, but a long time. But that's like, that's more like a, it wasn't like, okay, I'm doing this like, cause I want to the, you know, you, you did it because like for animals and like, you, oh, right? Yeah, no, there's, and especially in LA, like there's, there's a lot of people who take on certain eating styles because it, it kind of helps restrict. I mean, it, it's a thing. It helps you restrict if you're counting calories or trying to lose weight. But no, my my motivation was like completely, I did not wanna, I just, I loved animals and wanted to show that I loved them, not by eating them, but by not eating them. Um, yeah, and it's like a whole like ethical and it's spiritual and it's environmental and it's political. Um, yeah, but I mean, one of my, one of my, one of the people in my life who got me into being fully vegan when I was just vegetarian transitioning, she said when she became a vegan, she gained like 15 pounds in a month because she was just like eating nuts all day. She's like, mm, this is delicious. Oh my God, I would do it, but I became allergic to nuts. I'd be like all my whole, my whole body like shut down and like started to eat like, and, and later in life, like in my thirties, it was like when I, when I moved to New York is like when everything decided to, yeah you know, break down, you know, you, t- you do talk about this a lot, but I mean, there is a correlation between mental health and, um, chronic pain and things like that. And one of the things that I, act, I mean, I'm going off topic here, but I'm actually curious to pick your brain. Um, cause it's a very smart brain. I, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Cause I, when I first was initially sick, um, which I knew, I think I actually came to set and to visit and I was okay. telling you and Melissa about and whatever, but um, I got a lot of people telling me like, you know, I have anxiety, you're depressed, you know, this and that. It's not, you're not really sick. It's chronic, it's chronic, it's chronic until I started to deep dive and I actually was sick and I actually got a diagnosis and I had two diagnoses. I had a syndrome called postural orthostatic tachycardia and then I had Lyme disease. Um, but so I sometimes have a hard time when somebody says, 
well, if you fix your mind, you right. will get out of chronic pain. And I'm like, I would, I do all the things. I, I do the healing, the meditating, the working out, like all the things that you're supposed to do. But sometimes I, I actually just think you're sick. Well, and I think, I mean, look, this is, there's a lot, you know, just in that there's a lot to unpack there. And, you know, the, the, the simplest answer is also the most complicated one, which is that it's all an intersection of all of the things. And I think this is part of the challenge too, is like, you know, there are some people who are like, well, if you don't have any fear or resentment, you'll never get cancer because cancer is caused by fear and resentment. It's like, wait a second. Sometimes you, you have a genetic predisposition, like some, sometimes like you start producing cells and they don't stop. And, you know, so I get very nervous, honestly, when I hear people who are like, well, here's the solution. Quit your job. You have too much stress, like stop caring about your children and like everything will be fine. So you know, when I hear stories of people who have exceptional healing, you know, meaning people who are like, I'm not going to use Western medicine. You know, what you often hear are these beautiful stories of them, like going to a retreat somewhere and they typically can afford to not work or they don't have kids or a family or parents to take care of. And they spend their entire life on diet, nutrition, and meditation, and they have no outside stressors. And I love those stories because you hear amazing things. Right. Um, and, you know, what I have found, which I think you have found too, is that Western medicine does have a set of diagnoses that can be very helpful and informative towards building whole body healing. Yeah. Now, do I think that the solution is always like, go to a Western doctor, get a diagnosis from a book, and then take whatever pills they tell you and just hope that that works? No, but like we have the ability in our culture, and I think you've experienced this too, to combine all the things that we learn and find what works best for us. So I, I have a thyroid condition. I have an overactive thyroid. Usually people have an underactive thyroid, of course. I'm very, very unique. All my medical things have to be very special. And you know, when I was diagnosed, I was very, very sick and they couldn't even draw blood. My blood pressure was so high. Like you couldn't even get blood out of this body because it was so, I mean, it was pumping so vigorously. And what they needed to do was shut off my thyroid. And so I took 17 pills a day for like six months, like whatever. I took a drug that was removed from the market because it was like, whatever, so experimental. But I was very, very sick. And what I also did was I started seeing an acupuncturist and I started looking into herbs and I started doing all these things. But I also appreciate that that was a diagnosis that I had and had to deal with. And if I had grown up in a completely different house and in a different country and in a different, yeah, I may not have presented with Graves disease, but I did. And so I get to do the best that I can, you know, and I get to say, what are the things that help? What are the things that don't? And, and for me also like, sometimes doing things that I don't know if they work in terms of the healing modalities has been helpful. And I, I'm in a very fortunate position that I can say like, what's craniosacral therapy? What's that gonna do? I'm right. gonna try that. I mean, I've done it. I've had shamans come, like I've done all the things. Um, but <laughs> I really should like put them on a website because Gwyneth Paltrow does all these things and she makes it so interesting and everybody wants to know. But it's, 
but but the fact is like ultimately you're absolutely right sometimes there is something that needs to be treated and the whole system needs to be supported because as as anyone with chronic pain chronic or or any kind of chronic condition can tell you the psychological abuse that that you put on yourself and that other people put on you and people saying you caused this you could have prevented that's enough to send you into a depression. So it's like the whole system needs to be supported as you tackle whatever you're tackling. I hope that kind of, I mean, there's so much to your question, but. It is so much. And it, it, for me, it makes so much sense because I talk to so many people within the Lyme community, within the chronic um, yeah. illness community, because it's been my world for the last few years. And we, and we, you go back and forth. There's a lot of people who do antibiotics. There's a lot of people who do right. herbs a lot of supplements. There's like a lot of, I, I go to a healer. Like I never thought I would go to a healer, but he has helped me so much. And you do whatever you do, whatever you can to feel good. And that that's the ultimate goal, especially as you know, you know, and I'll try anything, you know, like well, also your definition of good has to shift because right. like, like I, you know, my, my, my pain will move around really kind of goes wherever it wants. And, um, I, there was a period of my life when my knees were in so much pain. I, I stopped all activities. I literally couldn't do anything. Stare, I would wince on the stairs. Like sitting to pee on a toilet seat was, was like a very painful experience. Yeah. And for me to like, be dealing with that, like all I wanted, I wanted to redefine good. Cause I was like, forget about even being able to sit in child's pose in yoga. I'd like to pee without crying. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause like, you know, from like gate two, which is like that, that parking structure to yeah. our stage. And I say ours, I was at Mike and Molly at the time. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we were neighbors. It would take what's a five minute walk would take me 30 minutes because I was in so much pain right. in my legs and we couldn't pinpoint it. Yep. It's so funny because I talk about food a lot and um, people are like, oh, because food cured you. I go, no, food didn't cure me. I'm like, food helped. Like, you know, and I was really stubborn because like I love to cook. Mm -hmm. And, but I was like super stubborn about changing my diet. And ultimately, when I finally did, it helped. But it didn't cure me, like it's sure. not, you know, but it does, it does. And like you mentioned earlier, like it also does help mentally. Like if you feel good with what you're putting in your body, sure. that helps so much. Oh, and, and also like, I mean, like food in, in this culture in particular, it's so, I mean, backwards is it's like upside down. It's so yeah. upside down. And, you know, I remember when I would be in college and someone was like, someone had pizza and beer, or there was some party and someone was like, yeah, I was sick all day because of pizza and beer, you know? And they, they didn't mean they had alcohol poisoning or anything like that. Their stomach could not tolerate dairy and gluten, right? <laughs> and this was just like the more, and I learned this in college that like so many people just were like, oh yeah, when I eat pizza, I'm just like super sick. Like my stomach is just destroyed. And it's like, that's actually not what that food is like. Food's not supposed to do that to you. Yeah. That means you're not processing that food. And, and it's different for everyone, but most people really ha have trouble. I mean, like statistically speaking, most people cannot, you know, break down 
dairy like that. But there's so many things like that that we don't realize. Like so many of my even seasonal allergies got so different when I changed my diet. And if I eat processed food, especially if I eat it late at night, like I wake up puffy and parched and dry. And it's like, I don't have to wake up like that, you know? Like, but but those are the things that like, oh, just take an Advil, take a this, like just keep, you know, like take a, I mean, look, some things are good supplements, but I know so many people who have like food hangover remedies in the morning. And for a lot of people it's caffeine because yeah. it's like they're so sluggish from, and, and I don't mean to be one of those people who's like, you won't be tired if you just eat healthy, you know? But the fact is like clean eating makes sense to your body for a reason. It really does. I mean, yeah. No, I, I'm, that's why I start. I mean, like I started cooking and I, I opened my shop and it's so funny because people will come in and be like, so this is gluten-free. I'm like, no, 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 everything is gluten-free. Everything is dairy-free. Like they can't, understand it right um you know but and they're like this is so hard this is so hard to keep eating like this how do you do it i'm like it's actually really easy if you do it right you just like i always say that when somebody's like trying to go gluten-free for the first time and again you mentioned this it is so easy to do gluten-free but also in a bad way but if you're starting off i say do the bad way get the white bread that's gluten-free it's really good Right. You know what I mean? And then you start to kind of, yeah, but that's like, and that's another one of those foods and people are like, Oh, you're just being trendy. Thank there you. are people who I have spoken to and interacted with intimately whose lives have changed when they stop living off gluten. And it's a real thing. Yeah. And there are many other factors. Like, you know, I love when people all of a sudden become scientists from like a day long experiment. Like, oh, I didn't eat the bread and I didn't feel well. It's like, that's <laughs> not how you, like, there's no scientific data to like, I tried something for three hours and I didn't like it. Therefore it doesn't work, you know? Right. So, you know, my experience is that, and I don't know what to call it. I am, I call myself gluten sensitive. I don't know that, right. I don't know that like I can never have gluten, but when I eat too much gluten, I get very uncomfortable and bloated and gassy. And yeah. I've done, I've, I've gathered more than one data point, you know? And it's fascinating to me that like, you know, I've, there's been some really, really interesting writing and, you know, stuff in like, you know, Harper's and things like that about like the gluten obsession and what is it. But, the food that we're eating now is also so much higher in gluten than gluten ever has been in history. Like we're basically supercharging our bodies with something that is inflammatory. And that's not, that's not like me being a hippie. Gluten does things to your cellular structure. Like that's just true. It's it doesn't bad, mean that yeah. it's a bad food, but you could say that too. Like tomatoes are acidic. That's not a judgment on the tomato. But if you are a person who's sensitive to acid, you should probably avoid tomatoes. It's right. And it's like you also said, everything right now is so much more processed than it is like when our parents were growing up. Totally. You know what I mean, it's a different, or our grandparents, like it, it's a different way of eating. Like everything. Totally. And if you're not getting organic, you're getting so many chemicals. And if you're not detoxing yeah. those chemicals, like there's just so much to it. Well, and, and, and also like, you can't have this conversation without also acknowledging like the, 
tremendous social injustice to the way we eat and the way we feed people in this country because it's become it's become like this i mean it's the same with mental health it's like a something that rich people can afford and if if we can figure out a way for other people to have it great but it shouldn't be that way with food and that's why like all these school programs that are trying to introduce more plant-based options like that's significantly important. Teaching mindfulness to kids, no matter what demographic they fall in, these are important things that add to our general wellness, but diet is a huge one. You know, if the government continues to subsidize cheap processed food and filling everything with corn syrup because they have too much corn, we're gonna have people who crave and need a certain kind of food that's also really unhealthy. And then we're paying for the medication to fix the conditions that come from eating all the things. It's like, yeah. You know, and 100% agree. It's, I just had this conversation because it's not the same thing. It's, it's kids and it's school. So it's definitely different. But I, the reason I started this podcast was because I wanted to talk to people that I work with in TV because we work these long hours. We're not healthy. <laughs> Most of us are not healthy. We're working long hours. We're not eating. We're eating when we're told to eat. We have five minutes to eat. And in that time, you have like, you don't have a lot of healthy options unless you're on a hit show. If you're on a hit show, your options are much better than if you're- oh, and, and also mo most actors, especially the ones who have bodies that you envy, they have chefs and, yeah. they, have, and they have meal plans. Like, and that's a thing. And that's- becoming more and more standard because like as the middle falls out economically, like there's all these meal programs now for kind of everyone to have that kind of customized experience. And, but again, it's not reaching, you know, the, the majority of people. Well, that's what I said to the ladies last week. I said, you know, what do we do? You know, I, when I was at my sickest, I hid it. I didn't want anyone to know. And I would bring with me like a refrigerator of food because I couldn't eat. So how many other people on set are that sick? And mo and the, the more that I talk to people, the more that like the crews that I've worked with, it's so lovely to see, but we, we're, I'm like, oh my God, everyone I talk to has a chronic condition, almost everybody. Oh, and like the fact that we're talking about it more is super healthy. I mean, look, we saw it just, you know, with Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka, like talking about mental health, like these yeah. things are being brought to the forefront. And I think like, there are so many, I mean, when you think about what our grandparents' lives were like, or great-grandparents, like people were in pain all the time, emotionally, physically, there wasn't an option. No one cared. You were just happy to be alive, you know? <laughs> like, it was just like, what do we have to complain about? But I, I think it's really significant that we're, we're having this kind of shift. And like, I used to be super ashamed to talk about it. It was actually Will Wheaton who I got to meet on Big Bang Theory, who was one of the first people that I knew in the industry who was like, I suffer from chronic depression and it's debilitating. And I go to therapy and I take medication and I'm gonna talk about it. And it, it was really, it was Will who really encouraged me to start sharing more openly. Um, and a lot of that has come with revealing things also about, you know, my physical body and, you know, there, there's not, there's not a Western doctor I went to who had anything to offer me except you're working too much because, right. because like, that's the thing also. And that's where, as we were talking about, like an integrative approach to just understanding who you are, you know, is very important because I really thought I could just drive my body into the ground. 
And then I was wondering why I couldn't sleep, you know, like all these things, like I'm anxious, like all these things. So it's taken me a long time, you know, I'm, I'm 45 and apparently still learning, you know? Well, I love that you said that, but I mean, that you realize that you're learning through every stage of your life, but we're all doing that. Like, I feel like even, I mean, I work in TV, that that's my passion. I want to direct television. Did I ever think I'd be cooking soup for a living as well? No. Like that's not ever life's what, life's what happens while you're busy making other plans. Right. I mean, it's just like so bizarre, but like, and you know, you learn business, you learn things that like you never thought you would learn before. I mean, like, it's crazy. It's amazing. It's amazing as well, you know? And yeah, I don't know. I love, I love all of it. Should I ask you some of the questions that I wrote down? Sure. I mean, I asked you some of them we already covered. Like I, you know, we talked about, you know, you, you being vegan and things like that, but I have some fun ones too. Sure. Maybe just fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and make it fun for me too. I was, I was going to ask you this because I'm not, I look, I love your show, but I'm not a cat person. And I have one right. of you and he was like, are you going to ask her, does she like cats? And then I saw your screensaver was a cat. I have, yeah. I have, I have three cats. I am a cat person. Um, Darlene Hunt, who created our uh, who created our show, Call Me Cat. She's also a cat person, oh. and um, I've always had cats my whole life. Not a dog person. I like to say I have kids, so I don't need dogs. <laughs> I was gonna. I was asking you about cats, but we'll we'll drop that because like he thinks I talk about cats too much about how they're so evil. That's in my mind. Like they're not evil. They're lovely. I mean, they can be. I, I'll be honest there can be real bitch cats. And I have one, she lives downstairs. She lives in one room because she's so miserable with other humans and the other cats. She lives by herself in my room, my bedroom. Just not, I'm, I, and then I, I say I'm a dog person and then my friends are like, you just dislike animals. I'm like, that is not true. Like, I like animals. Um, but what was your go-to food for 2020? Like if you had- Oh my gosh. Um, Mine were chips. Yeah, my no, my my go-to food was boba tea, and I actually cut like bubble tea, you know, like the yeah, like the little, yeah, 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 with the things. But um, I actually cut out caffeine during 2020 because it wasn't painful enough to be stuck in my house with nothing to do. I was like, let's take away my last vice. Um, so started finding decaf you know, or even like green tea with almond milk and the little bubbles in the bottom. And that's like, that's been, I, I basically lived on that for all of quarantine and COVID. That's good. I, I didn't do caffeine and then I reintroduced it to myself. It was really the dumbest thing I could have done. It's, very, it's, it's one of those things. I totally get it. I understand it. I don't want it. And I never liked coffee. So God, I like, love it. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm so glad I got to talk to you, obviously. You're yeah. amazing. I, I mean, like I always said this, on Big Bang Theory, you and Melissa were like so um, inviting and welcoming, but like when I had made that transition from assistant to video switcher on that show, and you guys were so supportive and that always meant so much to me. Oh. Like you just were rooting for me and I didn't expect it, but like I remember you being like, what's going on? And I'm like, I think I got the job. And I was like, and like, you know, there was that, I'll always, that'll, that'll always like be with me. Cause I just thought like, 
it's so nice. You know, you don't get that with a lot of your cast that you work with. And yeah, well, we were, I mean, let's, I like to think we were a special bunch in general, you know, and, and I think for me and Melissa, you know, the fact that we, we came in late, we were kind of the new kids. So, um, you know, she and I definitely revolved in kind of similar, you know, circles on set, but, um, no, it was a very, it was a very special place to work. You know, I was there for nine years and it changed my life, you know, changed the course of my life. And, um, we met a lot of, a lot of wonderful women and, and you were one of them. And I think also like, even since the time I started on Big Bang to now, like the consciousness of, of raising women up, elevating women, giving them, you know, it, at least equal opportunities has become so important. So I also, I also remember how important it was for us to see you, you know, able to achieve that. So it was great. I, I always loved it. I mean, and it's so great because Michelle was talking about Call Me Cat and she was just saying like, you know, this is this cast, this crew, like there's something really special about it. And it it's just a very special group. Yeah. It's very special. And, you know, you can make shows where it's not special, but we're having a really, really good time. And, and we're really grateful to have a second season. So. Right. And that's sometimes like that, that energy takes you down like for a long time. You know, we, we sure hope so. So it's, you know, it's, it's job security, you know, for our crew also, it's been a very difficult year in our industry. Um, and it's going to continue to be COVID. It's very difficult to make TV shows and movies during COVID. I promise. Like it's very, very difficult, you know? So the fact that we even got a show done without being sent home. So I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing that we got it done. So, so I just want to say thank you so much. I know that this, you know, taking the time is, it means the world to me. I'm and happy to do it. I'm so appreciative. Thank you. Uh, I hope to see you soon. I mean, I would love, I mean, maybe the world will open up and we'll actually get to interact. Here's my cat doing what, what she does best. Hold on. Drinking from a glass of water. Addie, do you want to show? Yeah, do it. That was my water. Now it's yours. Dang. Cats are evil. You're right. Cats evil. See, <laughs> I'm, we're ending on a note that benefits my thoughts. But no, I really appreciate it. And I and I love you for doing this. And so thank you. And thank you. It's so good to see your face and we'll connect more about soup and other things. Okay, great. <laughs> thank you. She was bye, a video bye. switcher bye. in TV at the time. Then whoops, suddenly that girl's got mine. Her health is back on track because she switched up her diet. And now she's forcing all her friends to try it. Soup switcher from Gracefully Faye. Soup switcher. Say bye bye to the bread. Your gluten's been a bitch then.